episode of the Drunken Towers podcast brought to you by distillunion.com, a design company designing things to make daily life easier. From wallets to sunglasses to phone cases, just scratching the surface. Go to distillunion.com and use the promo code DRUNKEN for a 15% discount. That was good. Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, another great chat between Rich and Bolelli, as our ongoing search for common ground brings us to the bees. Siberian hunters learned the very hard way, that tiger didn't go crazy, that tiger went tiger. Strategy good, ideology bad. And the loss of Anthony Bourdain proves once again that no one ever knows what's going on in other people's heads. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle figure of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Da-da-da-da. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Towers podcast. This is episode 138, which is quite a few if you think about it. It's a lot of effort for some fine people that just want to have you have somebody to listen to, hang out with, be your pals. Speaking of pals, Daniela Bellelli is right across the table from me. Yay. By the time we release this episode, I won't be across the table. I'll probably be somewhere around the universe. Yeah, this Italy, one's got a little bit Big of age Bear. to it, so there's no telling where what might go down. I mean, we've got stories that could be completely. Um... Yeah, we are. Uh, we we record these uh, in uh, mid June. By the time we'll be out, we'll be around mid to late July. So. So the aliens have already visited. Yeah, if uh, there's anything. The awesome power source has everybody addicted, and everybody's still looking at their phones. Weird. Intriguing. So. Forgive us if we're not up to speed. I mean, we're not exactly a new source anyway. So we are uh, more of a chatty discussion thing. So it shouldn't make a difference. But in case, let's jump in by saying thank you to some sweet folks. Uh, I would start out with the nice people at Distill Union. DistillUnion.com decided to sponsor us for three episodes. They are a design company. They make products designed to make life easier really that's probably the easiest way to put it what if someone had a wallet that was so heavy that it literally almost drowned them one time that's not Could too they far off out? that is not too far off to my particular case because literally there are you know it's like savannah lifts heavy on it kettlebells i lift my wallet and it achieves the same outcome considering yeah that is a heavy wallet that's crazy. And actually, yours look like amateur hour compared to mine. I don't even know why I have have this shit. Yeah, that's the point. So these guys have made a wallet that still contains a lot of stuff, but is way thinner. And it also encourages you to carry maybe yeah, your receipts from the 90s. You don't need those. You can. It's time to give them up. So I'm always afraid. What if I need proof of that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, well, keep it at home. It's all good. Oh, they're there too. 
Now, they make also some really cool sunglasses. Um, they are designed in such a way that it makes it considerable. Like, you have to try really hard to lose them because they kind of snap on in a way that if you put them to your T-shirt or you attach them somewhere, you have to really, like, pry them away with a crowbar to get them to fall off. It's magnets, man. So that's good stuff right there. And they are really good quality. So I dig those. They have um, cases for your phone. So if you're in the market for any of these things, so specifically wallets, uh, sunglasses, cases for your phone, a few other similar things, check them out first since they are nice enough to sponsor us, which is always a very sweet concept. Go to distillunion.com. That's D-I-S-T-I-L, the word union.com, and enter the promo code DRUNKEN to get a 15% off on your first order. And of course... The website is in the episode notes. Thank you to our regular guys, uh, Onnate, Shore Design, Datsusara. They have been with us for from the, almost from the beginning, pretty much. So thank you to these sweet folks. Um, Shore Design, of course, if you dig their t-shirts, they are amazing. And our t-shirts are made in Shore Design material. So if you want to check it out, that would be much appreciated. We have four different designs, one better than the next. And speaking of much appreciated, you shop on Amazon, please check out our, our Amazon link. Always helps. They have changed their rules. I don't know what they do and they don't credit anymore, but in either case, um, just go out there and do your duty. Yeah, go through our portal on our website. I think we can tell you to do that. Yeah, it's very confusing what we can and cannot say. I can never, that's why sometimes I don't even bring it up. But yeah, if you can remember, that's much appreciated. Um, anything else we need to address? I don't know. It's the future, so nobody knows what went down. Cool. Let's jump into the episode. I have an anti-rant. We're always looking for common ground, especially in these days where people's defenses are up at all times. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even sure where I heard this from. But the more I sort of mess around with it, it seems to be correct. Because I found myself with my Trump-loving uncle. Mm -hmm. Don't want to muss up anything. Everybody's pretty careful to be quiet. But a topic where everybody seems to be in massive agreement on bees interesting that the, both sides seem to be very concerned the bees. that the bees are dying off yeah. on like crazy like some fella had 20,000 hives and lost 75% of them in the past four years Jesus. and if the bees go we go well and that's one of the things that to me is for example when it comes to environmentalism I think that the emphasis on global warming is um, strategically not smart not because uh, you know we can get into all the arguments it's it's not about whether it's real or not it's not about whether the simple thing is global warming is not something that people can observe directly you have to rely on scientist da- data and that's where all the conspiracy theory kicking because like how can i trust this motherfucker don't you know that they are on the so okay let's not even go there the point is the thing that people respond to are the things that they can observe in their life with their own two eyes a lot more. So what you just mentioned, something like bees, where you do see that, it's like, hey, they used to be here all the time, they aren't anymore. 
or you know pollution when you see that the mountains next to you can see them because the air is so damn polluted that it's so heavy with you know those kind of things i think are a lot a lot easier to um to get people to respond to than uh, the making an argument about global warming in a more abstract sense which again for most people is too abstract it does not seem real whether it's real or not Oh yeah. Again, May was the hottest month on record for the United States. Right, but but that's my point. Is like yeah. then you love the guy see, who's like, hey, oh, don't you see it's science? Me. The Lord will control. You know, if you get into those sort, of, all of a sudden you're tangled up and it's ruined. And it's but, what I'm interested in is strategy. Right, it's yeah. not being right or wrong. It's not so. It's like that one is uh, that one is a losing horse in terms of public. You still want to address the issue in a very real way, yeah. but in terms of the public discourse, that's not one that's helping you win friends. Whereas what you are saying, the kind of stuff that people feel immediately, you know, even like can be in a super red state, uh, very conservative spot. But if you go in a place and, you know, the guy likes to go out hunting yep, and the animals are getting wiped out because the forest got clear cut and all that shit, they are going to be bummed. They are going to be like, hey, you know, this is part of who I am. This is part of my identity. This is part of the culture. This is part of how I feed my family. Especially red it, states are like, like massively agriculturally, you know, connected. Right. You so don't have any pollinators. I just want to, I'm trying to figure out what the other ones might be. I mean, the only thing I could really, and it is expanding on the, the global warming stuff, is we have to stop identifying it that way. We have to start making people understand that we live in a massive aquarium. Exactly. And we can't shit it up anymore. And I think the examples that catch, can, that make that point, are not the giant global one that people don't observe directly, are those ones that people feel. Yep. Are the, okay, monstrous high percentage of inner ki- city kids grow up with asthma. Why are you having, because the air sucks, because of car pollution, because of this and that and the other. Those are the kind of things that tend to, purely in terms of strategy, are easier to get the message across than uh, others and so to me it's like focus on those doesn't mean you shouldn't say that the others aren't important or but they are not the ones that i mean it's as simple as that if if one message helps people understand that we live in an interconnected world where what you put in the environment come back to you and another message is you're trying to say the same thing but it doesn't get there well it doesn't take a genius to figure out which one you should emphasize yeah you know because, yeah, I mean, that should not be a political issue, right? Left-wing, no. right-wing, liberal, conservative, everybody like not to be poisoned. Everybody like to drink clean water. Everybody... You would think... Right. Everybody would like there to be a planet for their grandchildren to enjoy. That's the idea. Then, of course, there is the tragedy of the commons, you know, the idea that if it's shared resources... And if I can fuck up 15% of the resources to make $25 million... Eh, what's 15%? It's, you know, at least I'll make $25 million and there's still enough. We'll, and I think everybody played that game. And so before you know it, everybody fucks it up enough to improve their life right here, right now. And the general picture turns ugly. And now there's no more forests. Yeah. Or you get, um, you know, 
million dollar lobbies who are pushing Roundup up and down and convincing you. And it's like clearly, you know, yeah, there are 25 scientists who say that there may be a connection with that and bees disappearing. But hey, we found one scientist who say there isn't. Yeah. And uh, and sure makes those weeds go away. That's a lot yeah, easier. So, you Wouldn't know, I have to get a shovel out or something. Just exactly. spray it. And so that's the other that's the other problem is the fake news aspect of it that everybody can shape a narrative. Oh yeah. That you know people who are professional in this are good at creating a narrative that you can make any argument in the world sound at least pose the question that make you go, "Huh, is that really true what they have been telling me?" Doesn't have to be a great argument, doesn't have to be fully convincing, just enough to confuse people where they are less driven to get action done. That sounds like science. They must be making that up. Right? So there's... And granted, we are bombarded with so much shit information sometimes that it's very hard to figure to separate what's real and what's not. And so it's a good lobbyist knows that. They hire the right communicators and they can play right into that game so that's what makes it tricky but i agree with you it's like let's focus on you know because that's more of a downer than anything but like on the upper side let's focus on uh, what is that aside from ideological differences what are the things that we can agree on i think that's a super important conversation to have well and initially it's a pretty easy list i mean after listening to our pal dan carlin talking about the only end of this is some sort of endless civil war mm-hmm. that's not really troops lining up but suicide bombers sure. and shit like that forever because yep. there's never a moment where anybody can see the side don't people want their children to grow up happy right and have a nice planet and i mean if you're not on that side then you are clearly my enemy but i think a huge majority of red staters and blue staters mm-hmm. can probably agree with those basic easy tenants and some of the things, I mean, for people who like the whole state rights idea, okay, let's play with that concept. So, for example, take something like the, I don't know, opioid epidemic. People are dying at crazy rates because of opioid addiction has been... There will be a list of things that in my mind make sense to address it, but there will be the people who disagree or people who are lobbyists who are pushing another idea, whatever that is. It's like, okay, great. There are 50 states in the U.S. Let's try different strategies in different states. Have 15 states where you go super hardcore on prohibition and, you know, jail every user of opioids and do all that. Yep. Have 15 states that go in a completely different direction with that and instead will try A, rehab, not jail for users. Medical marijuana. B, medical marijuana. You know... That kind of stuff. The point is, there are diff- when there are different strategies like that, and we can't come up with an agreed-upon solution that is like, yeah, we all want to solve the opioid epidemic, but your idea to me will make the problem worse. My idea to, in your mind, make the problem worse. Set up experiments. You know, 50 states in the U.S., bunch of nations around the world, you can break it up. Some areas, you do some things. Some areas, you do other things. Come back two years later, see what the results are. The bummer about that is nobody pays attention, though, because if you match, like, California went all in on additional taxation mm-hmm. when things were getting rough. Kansas went all in on austerity, yeah. cut it way down. Now their schools are the worst. Now their economy is fucked, and... It's a disaster. It seems, oddly enough, it's not the worst thing in the world for those that are well-to-do to to give a little bit more. 
Yeah. And I know that's blasphemy for some people. Well, but, but that's the thing. Is how like, much fucking money do you need? The point is, okay, let's you disagree, you agree, let's experiment. Yeah. Let's try that out and set it up that way. Almost, you know, attach a reality TV program or what's <laughs> life in Kansas for two years. Let's what's go visit life Jerry in... Brown and see how the budget is. What? $7 billion surplus? Yeah. Play that game. Play... Yeah, make it entertaining. Make it a competition. Make it whatever it is. But play a game where we let results speak for themselves as opposed to ideological position, where we set up experiments, where it's like, hey, we all agree on the outcome we want. All we are disagreeing on is the strategy to get there. Since you're not going to be convinced by my argument and I'm not going to be convinced by yours, let's test it out. How can we test it out on a big level? Well, maybe that way or maybe another way. Maybe come up with something. But the point being, rather than hating each other because we disagree on strategies... The point is, if we agree on desired outcome, okay, strategies are just a mean to an end. We agree on, we are common ground on what the end needs to be. Let's figure out what the mean to get there. What's the best possible vehicle to take us there? That's a much different discussion than just say, you suck, you are... Like, to me, when I hear the discussion about people hating each other based on what economic system they support, I'm like, are you fucking insane? Yeah. You're really that attached to an ideology that hasn't needs worked for to be, anybody for it needs to be free market capitalism. No, fuck you. It needs to be socialism. No, it needs to be this branch of it's like, what are you guys saying? Like the only thing you the only thing any of us care about is that people standards of living get better. We agree there? Good. Now let's talk about how we get there. And yeah, your strategy and his strategy are totally different. But we're just talking strategies here, man. Let's not get overly attached to this shit. If a different strategies work, great. Let's try the other one. Or if a mix of the two work, great. Instead, there's this notion that if I give one inch to my ideological enemy, then we need to, you know, and it becomes this game where you're trying to sabotage each other. Yeah. As opposed to looking at what works. And creating the outcome that you have already agreed, you agreed on. Eye on the prize. That's, that's why things don't work right now because it's the walls are up so much anymore that any victory for the other side is a, such a devastating loss. Yep. That now you just got to get your wall built higher or whatever to make sure that that never happens again. Yep. Everything's ground ground to a halt. And meanwhile. The robbers are empty in the fucking vault. Yeah, and it's like, dude, I don't care where the results come from. As long as they get there, that's what matters. You know, if tomorrow, because uh, Trump uh, by now hates Jeff Session and he wants to uh, just as a fuck you, then sign off on free, you know, legal medical marijuana at a federal level. Yep. I take it. Thanks, Trump. Now, do I like the guy in 10,000 other ways? No, but who cares? You know, when. When something good comes out, I don't care where it comes from. Yeah, it seems like for him, that would probably be one of the wisest strategies he could probably do. Can you imagine the amount of more liberal support he would suddenly garner? Yeah, totally. No, I think he's, uh, yeah, he would play his cards where suddenly, yeah, absolutely. That would be the smart thing. I'd be interested to see how amazingly old that news is because he actually killed Jeff Sessions. By the time we released this episode, I see. Nobody knew uh, that, but he ran him over with his golf cart. I see. (laughs) I just meant to bump him. It was an accident, and you guys forgive me. No, that's a a crazy notion. I, uh, I, I never understand why people are so happy to placate these trillionaires 
when they obviously don't have anybody else's self-interest. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean? Trickle down always works. I didn't have one drop of trickle down hit me. I've been waiting 30 years. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, yeah, that model is. It's funny. I was listening actually not so long ago to a guy who was um, pushing a very libertarian agenda. And, and again, there are a bunch of things that libertarians say that I agree with, you know, on social issues. Sure. Yeah, fuck, do I what you want to do. Absolutely. Um, but there were some things that I'm just like, dude, you're so invested in your ideology that you're not even listening to what you're saying anymore. Because it's kind of like, oh, if we shut down all kind of government welfare, then the churches will step up. I'm like, they don't now. Please show me any evidence for that idea. Yeah. Show me that that happens somewhere, somehow. Then we can have a conversation. Otherwise, it's just an ideological platitude that you're throwing out there that has just no bearing on any reality, like you're, you're talking things with no evidence or, you know, it's like deregulation, some of the problems that come up from deregulation, you can't reply, oh, well, freedom is dangerous. That's not an answer. That's like you're hiding and pretending that the problem is not. So that's why to me, like, I'm not against libertarian ideas. I want to see where they lead. Some, they seem to me like they lead to a good place. Others, I'm like, dude, that really is not working the way. Maybe if you change the way you articulate it, maybe if you change it around, there's a way to salvage it and still consider libertarian, or maybe not. And then you borrow an idea from a different ideology that actually works. What a concept. And you can borrow things from different school of thoughts to get a good result. There was a fantastic moment when Mnuchin was trying to sell the tax cut deal. And he brought in several hundred big-time CEOs. Yeah. And he's like, just from a show of hands, you know, when you get these windfalls from these tax cuts, how many of you intend to uh, help the employees out? And nobody raised it. Yeah, I mean, it's... Because that's not what these guys are going to do. They're going to buy back that stock, jack up the price, make, make the shareholders happy, and get them a fat bonus. That's the game. That's how you play that game. It's craziness. But yeah, strategy, good. Ideology, bad well we have to come up with the correct strategy i we've been talking we've been doing this for a long time and we always had this notion of the purple state mm -hmm. that of course the fringes are always going to be insane on both sides sure. oh the antifa yeah. and, and the nazis and all that kind of madness but i do think the people in the middle probably could get along if they take a moment to listen to each other once again yeah and i mean middle is also a funny concept because sometimes middle is Maybe the right answer in one case is to go very left. Or maybe the right answer in one case is going very right. The point is not to be married to very left or very right in every single issue. Because that's never going to... They're not going to have the good answer every single time. Is So the middle doesn't have to be moderate necessarily. It is whatever works. On the whole scale from 0 to 100, wherever the spot that delivers the best result is, go there. It's funny, I'm reading a book about Terrence McKenna right now, mm -hmm. and he was pretty famous for saying he didn't believe in anything. Mm -hmm. And people were quickly like, what do you mean you don't believe in anything? Right. He said, look, the second you start believing in something, then you've dug your feet in. Right, absolutely. He wanted to remain permanently open yep. to at least have, you know, I don't think he did not believe in things, but he left an open mind going totally. so that he didn't end up stuck the way we are. Yep. <laughs>
So, boom, boom, boom. Actual dialogue with Isabella in the car post picking her up from school where a lot of interesting dialogues take place. Completely out of the blue is asked, have you ever been to jail? And I replied, as an inmate or visiting somebody? And she's like, no, as a, as a prisoner. I'm like, no. Is, would you get mad if I say I'm surprised? <laughs> like, no, I wouldn't get mad, but is like, okay, then I'm really surprised. I'm like, why? Because uh, you seem like someone who has been in jail two or three times. That sounds like surprise with a little taint of disappointment. Yeah, totally. But at the same time, I was like, why do I look like somebody who has been in jail two or three? Actually, you know what? Don't answer that question. I don't want to know. It's, <laughs> but, but that was the... Did you explain genetics to her at that point? Yeah, yeah, which I'm sure wouldn't bother her at all. But No, I, we're yeah. all expecting it at this point. Exactly. But that was... Uh, and on another one, I'm 99% sure I'd never brought this up. If i repeating something, please forgive me. Blame it on the weed. The um, another car dialogue with his was uh, I made uh, I made a joke that was admittedly a bit dark, you know. It was just uh, and you know I I thought it was funny and he's just look at me and she went whoa kind of like did you really say that and that feeling and I, so I was like no 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 he's come on let me ex- it's dark humor you got to understand and da, 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 this and that I got down with my whole explanation about dark humor and I asked so do you understand what I was doing there does it he's like I understand I understand you're really funny and also an asshole what? and I was like I guess that's the definition of dark humor right there but <laughs> Okay, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll restrain myself next time. It's tough. She's getting old, man. Yeah, she's... Double uh, digits now? Not quite. She's going to be nine oh, this but she's going to be ten. Well, still, yeah. you're almost there. A year away, but close enough. Wait till yeah. she's 22 in Las Vegas in her little red bikini. See how you feel. That's what happened with your daughter when... That's over the weekend. Over the weekend, I see. Yeah. You are disturbed. I was much more confident with her trip to Albania than I, <laughs> you know, and I've seen Hostel and those sort of movies. And still, old, that seemed like a, seemed a, a pleasure lot, cruise. It seemed a lot safer than trolling the hell that is uh, Las Vegas. How much did we in Albania? Some friends of hers got married, and they did two weddings, and she decided to go to the one in Albania, not the one in Mexico. She's got the wanderlust, man. It's the perfect time for it. That's cool. Out of school. But Vegas is uh, not your favorite. Uh, sp- and not for my daughter. Yeah. Speaking of Vegas, there will be... We're speaking from the past year because we're speaking from before 4th of July. By the time we release these, will be after 4th of July. If we're still here. Exactly. There's supposed to be... Um, who knows whether it pans out or not. But yes, yeah, Savannah's gig for 4th of July in Vegas will be to be part of a professional arm wrestling competition where she has to arm wrestle a WWE diva. Awesome. I think it's like you could not script this stuff any better. It's like, really? That's going to be so. I can't wait. I, I might have to dig up the old Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie. Right. I can't even she remember the name. didn't know what it was. Over the top. Over the top. Course. That was it. Yeah. She, I told her, she's like, what's over the top? I'm like, what do you mean? What's over the top? It's like. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you need to know about the six. You like, really need to know about from, it now. Be movies from the 80s. Yeah. Okay, see movies from the 80s. <laughs> As, how do you live without them? Yeah. 
That's watch out, Sylvester Stallone will get you freed from prison if you're not careful, especially especially that. if you're dead. I saw that. That was uh, <laughs> that was interesting. Well, actually, let's mention that even though we're in the Isabella section, we don't we're not exactly strict about our sections. So no, let's play this free flowing. As you may imagine, because of the three-part series about Jack Johnson on History on Fire, I got like 72 million messages from people saying, hey, you see, Trump listened to your podcast. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what happened. I think it's the last thing he listens to before he goes to sleep every Yeah, day. I'm sure that's what it's influencing the world in a positive direction. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck. So, you know, message, 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 more messages, Jack Johnson. And the thing that I found that to me is, the whole idea of the posthumous pardon, you know, long after you're dead, mm-hmm. it's just bizarre. Doesn't make any sense. It's like, he's dead. It's yeah. done. There's like, what What good is that going to do to any? And, and don't get me wrong. The prosecution of Jack Johnson for violation of the Man Act, he was ridiculous, right? He was just, they wanted to bust him because they hated his guts because he was a black guy beating up white people in the ring and sleeping with white women. They were not too happy about that and they wanted him. They tried to get him on one charge, couldn't get him on that one. So they look on a different charge. He was obviously a joke, right? The whole setup was... So yes, he's right to say, yes, that conviction should be thrown out is a joke. But the problem is, when somebody's still alive, it kind of matters. When, preferably before they go to jail, that would matter. Uh, Or some kind of reparation, you know, something that affects their life. A hundred years later, I mean, I appreciate the symbolism, but not really, because it doesn't... Well, why don't you find somebody that's in jail now, whose yeah. life will be changed now? Yeah, I'm more interested in that. And also, I mean, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I just don't like the... Uh, posthumous rehabilitation make no sense to me. You know, I, I like my outlaws to be remembered for the way they lived. Defiant, uncompromising, and the thoughts with authority. Yep. That's how I dig my outlaws. Not, you can't, you know... So I thought, again, it's like symbolically, sure, I have no problem with that. It's like fine, but but it's weird. It's like, it's kind of like, it's sort of pointless and a little weird. It's like everybody gets to be rehabilitated long after they are dead. That's not an issue. The point is what happens when you're alive that counts. Well, Muhammad Ali's next. Yeah, right. I, yeah, do tell the story on that one. That's just a hilarious notion. I forget who told the story. Was that one? No, it was Jack Johnson was when Sylvester Stallone was yeah, there. Yeah. But so I don't know who gave him the notion, but yeah, apparently next in line possibly is forgiving Muhammad Ali for his uh, troublemaking opinions in the sixties. Opposing the, the Vietnam draft War. and refusing yeah. to serve, right. Ain't and, no uh, Viet Cong ever done nothing to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he was the language is slightly more colorful, but yes. I don't was, know. I'm afraid to say anything these days. Right. My free speech is being limited. The the precise Muhammad Ali quote I believe was uh, no Viet Cong ever called me a nigger. That is probably more correct. That Indeed. was this thing. And it's, um, yeah, and he refused to serve, which is a really gutsy thing. He got stripped of the heavyweight title. His career was ruined for several years during his peak years. Gave up the peak at, of his career. Absolutely. So, you know, he had, he paid a huge price. And uh, what was the thing? Like, so Trump was saying, no, let's pardon him. And what was the response from the Elise family? They're like, the Supreme Court undid that in 74. There's no reason for you to yeah. do anything. And we won't accept it anyway. Right. Because that would be him accepting guilt, that he must have done something wrong to be pardoned. From right, right, right. When it's already been sort of, I don't know, expunged exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy. And why choose those folks? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, Does that that's mean Colin Kaepernick may be forgiven in uh, 2073? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I don't get that. The whole posthumous thing is funny, but um, whatever, in any case. So, yeah, that's defiant outlaws are the way to go. And apparently, maybe I should maybe I should stop saying things like that because that's when Dan Isabella starts saying, hey, I figure you would have been in jail two or three times already. I know. She was That's, looking to find out what your record was so she could break it early. Yeah, I know. I'm like, where would you get such an idea? She's brewing up something. You know, if she does it before she's 17, a lot of that could be forgiven. Right. On, so. That's whoosh, Don't tell her. No. Well, it's story time, everybody. I'm, of course, hoping for more topless sword duels, just because it's almost like a genre now. Well, the one of the key characters in our story will be topless, but that's because it's an animal who doesn't wear clothes, so mm. that's unfortunately may not have quite the impact you are hoping for. Well, I guess I'll listen anyway. Okay, well, this is a... Epic under the file revenge is not just a human thing. Turns out that other species can have a knack for such a part of life. This is actually a recent story. It involves uh, uh, it involves a tiger in the, the end of the 1990s in Siberia. You know, most of the story with tigers attacking humans and stuff you hear them from um, from India. This is a Siberian story. Turned into a book um, not so long ago by, you know, let me see if you can pronounce such a right. thing. <clears throat> John. Valance? I have no idea, yeah. Valence? Okay, I'm glad you're guessing too. Yeah, yeah. There's a, lot no of, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of vowels in there that sort of. Yeah. The book is properly called The Tiger. That's a good one. It doesn't win points for originality, but it definitely captures who the subject of the story is. It makes me think of the old uh, Chris Rock joke when he talks about people getting eaten by tigers and they say that tiger went crazy. That tiger didn't go crazy. That tiger went tiger. You know, it's actually almost word by word what the guy writes in his book. Uh, I'm guessing Chris Rock would be demanding royalties or perhaps it's a bit of a mm, clear a, concept. That's a 10-year-old joke, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it is how the story goes. It starts with some um, poor bastard of a Russian poacher who has his cabin out in the middle of Siberia, Mr. Vladimir Markov, who decides to, he goes out, he finds a tiger with, uh, you know, stashed its kill of a boar somewhere and decide to steal the boar from the tiger. And while he's at it, shoot at the tiger. Tiger, you know, by the way, when you say tiger, this thing is 10 feet long and 500 pounds. Jesus. Okay, this is a flying death machine, you know. It's like once he leaps and jumps, it's like, yeah, good luck stopping that thing. I've had house cats cause trouble. Yeah. I can only imagine. 500 pounds, 10 feet long. So his thought was, I'll steal this boar, sit on its feasting hole, and shoot it when he comes back. Yeah, I think he was there. There, I read a couple of different accounts, so I'm not sure which one is which. One say that he shot the tiger, kind of scaring it off and stole the food. Oh. And ran off. Another one say that he sh- will shoot it at a later moment. We don't know, but in any case, the guy goes back home and he takes his time because he's hunting along the way. So he takes a day or so to get back to his cabin. 
in the meantime, the tiger is not so happy about what just transpired. No. And he's saying, I am not forgetting what just went down. So even though ran off, so by the time she turned, the tiger turns around, the dude is gone, he's going to go on like smelling, trying to figure out where did this motherfucker come from. And so through exceptional sense of smell, he man- uh, he I can't remember if the tiger is a male or a female. We'll call him... Can't remember. In any case, uh, our tiger is going to find the way back to the guy's cabin, and then sit there and wait, and wait, and wait until the next day when the guy comes back and the tiger promptly hops on and rips his head off and uh, kill the dude and promptly consume him. So that's some serious revenge right there, right? I mean. What animal takes a day to think about it, stalk you down to your location, wait for you so that you can come back and then get its revenge? And then so familiar with its territory, it's like, oh, I know that smell. Yep. That's down in the valley over there. Yep. Follow it down and And then another sniff, sniff, sniff. Oh, he must live in this cabin right here. Yep. It doesn't surprise me at all. That's um, by the way, that tells you the world uh, that animals inhabit is a whole different thing from what we know. Like the fact that you could track down via smell somebody miles away to their location where they are not even there, just to the location. Yeah. That's pretty freaky right there. And a cat's sense of smell isn't near what a dog's is. So, yeah. I mean, still, it's amazing. And they say that. It, the tiger waited. They are debating how long. It's probably anywhere between a minimum of 12 and a maximum of 48 hours. That's a long period to hold for an animal to hold on to a grudge, you know? Not if you nap 18 Where, hours a day. I guess so. It's like spend the time sleeping and having PTSD about, that <laughs> bastard stole my boar. Can you believe it? I don't know. Um, I've seen people lose their minds when someone steals their rock star out of a refrigerator at a workplace. So, yeah. you know, it's not that surprising. We're all wired the same. Yeah, yeah. It didn't One day take you it will well. rue the day because I resealed that thing and filled it with urine for you. you <laughs> That's what happened, right? Well, why not? Seems appropriate. Now, problem is, Tiger now found out an important lesson. Humans taste good oh. and they are not that hard to kill. So figure, okay, looks like human meat is on the menu and decide to go for number two. This time it's not just, oh, I'm going to kill this dude because I hate him and then I happen to eat him as a side benefit. Is hey, I digested that one already. It's done and over with. A few days have gone by. I'm a little hungry. So let's go look for another one of those delicious bipedal creatures. Who is next? Mr. Andrei Pochepnia. Young former soldier who had nothing to do with the original poacher in our story. He was just a local guy trying to go hunting in the forest, laying traps, doing that kind of thing. Most other villagers in the area in this forgotten area of Siberia are like, yeah, we probably don't want to go out hunting in these days now that we found out that there's a man-eating tiger around. So just to play safe. This boy is either really hungry or something's going on, but he's like, eh, or, or he's 19 years old and he thinks he's invincible, which is another possibility. So decide to go do their thing. Now, this is where the whole story, like the tiger gets funnier and funnier. Like it gets really weird. So th- what the tiger did was 
it actually went into a cabin because you know nobody locks their door it's siberia there's nobody around it's uh, so the, the tiger managed to go into this cabin drag a mattress out because he figured if i'm gonna play this game of waiting for humans to come back to their destination I, i'd rather be comfortable <laughs> so he literally dragged the mattress out in the snow laid on the mattress to kind of you know we want to play this game but let's do it with Some my achy my bones that i don't like so wait for uh, this 19 year old guy to make his way back in a certain direction and just promptly jump on the dude the guy had like a single shot rifle that was basically purely symbolic in front of a 500 pound tiger <laughs> tiger kill him uh for some weird reason that we don't want to really know why takes off his clothes kind of rip off all the clothes maybe because doesn't like text the texture of clothing when eating and then promptly eat his whole body leaving only his boots and just a few little pieces of meat hanging around here and mm. there but basically cleaned out the whole thing and date the guy from head to toe so with that some guys who you got to give them props or balls uh they are sort of the police unit that's normally in charge of cracking down on poachers but in this case you're cracking down the people who eat the poachers tiger squad yeah so they turn into tiger squad and there's a few of them i forget the exact number it was like six guys or something like that right so they are um they are stalking this tiger trying to find okay we need to find it because this thing is gonna keep eating humans and it's gonna clean out the village before we know it so <laughs> they start stalking the tiger and the description i read is expert from the book that's really cool like the description is so damn scary because you're in the middle of a siberian forest and all of a sudden they say their dogs that they are using just freak out right they all turn in one direction and they start like barking like crazy and some of them start actually kind of whimpering back down and it's like oh. you know something is down there and they just hear this low growl in the distance and they are like the distance is behind trees is probably no more than 40 yards which that thing can cover in like before you say hey i think there's a tiger it's already so you're like okay there are six of you but you're not super heavily armed you know you have rifles and stuff but it's like you probably want an atomic bomb for that thing and uh and you are in its territory so and the sun's going down yeah that's basically exactly what's going on right long story short the tiger will eventually make its attack find the right spot to attack and literally the head investigator see the tiger jumping for his neck and he shoot you know he managed to shoot the tiger again in a completely symbolic gesture because he's like his gun one shot on a 500 pound tiger in flight wasn't gonna do shit lucky for him a couple of his guys manage in the time the tiger was flying to get out 11 shots and uh by the time the tiger he managed to so get out of the way of the tiger jump and by the time the tiger lands he's dead wow but you know he also was this close to having his neck snapped away by that's a crazy story that's a crazy story because it's a very weirdly human-like behavior of the one who finds the way back to the cabin stoke you drag out the mattress stoke the other guy very very bizarre and from what i hear brad pitt wants to turn this into a movie wow how are they gonna cover how he shit himself when the tiger came at him i know that's gonna be like diaper central 
<sighs> can you imagine being in that jungle when you know that there's this thing who just ate two humans who's this larger than life monster? He must have just been thinking, I knew it. I knew it. I knew we shouldn't have done this. Yeah. That's it. My head is, my skull will be crushed yeah. in a few seconds. Then again, Siberia. Whoever lives there must have balls of iron to begin with. I don't think I knew there were tigers in Siberia. Yeah, they are kind of the super beautiful. They are massive. They are not that many. They are actually fairly endangered. Because I definitely thought India first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, that's the place where you get more of that stuff. But um, yeah, it's nuts. Siberia, by the way, is funny because you always see our Siberia and it's like, because that's where, you know, Stalin would send all the people to the gulags, and it was awful, and so Siberia always evokes this imagery of terror and horror. Endless winter. The reality is interesting, because when you, if you Google Siberia and you look at the pictures of the nature, it's like the most stunning and amazing nature you'll ever see, right? You see these beautiful forests, rivers, everything is amazing. The problem is, it gets fucking cold in winter. Yeah. Like really long and heavy and it can kill you in three seconds. Well, so it's disintegrating right now too, isn't it? Isn't the permafrost, those... right? Yeah. So is uh, yeah, the, when Siberia gets less cold, it may be a problem actually. But the beauty, I mean, the place is beautiful. It's like if you look at the pictures of Siberia, they're insane how beautiful the place is. But maybe less beautiful when a tiger is stalking you down and trying to eat you. And it's going to be 40 below in the morning. Exactly, yeah. That's why the tiger was hungry. I had to do it in a hurry. Because if you wait too long, the fucking thing turned into a piece of ice. and break your teeth it trying to get... It doesn't taste so good no more. Much more delicious warm. Yeah. But that's your story. Some days I look into the giant mailbag and it's just, it's kind of like my bookshelf. You know, I know even if I could read as much as I wanted to, there's no way I'm ever going to get through all these questions, all these books, yet still I buy more books. So I'm guessing you had to sift through hundreds of queries. In case you're wondering, what you're hearing is the textbook definition of sarcasm. Uh, yeah, I mean, we got questions, but not exactly, we're not exactly drowning in, so. Testing, testing. <laughs> yeah, f- feel free to drop us anything, because we like to play. Um, <laughs> so here is the story. The the one which by now, you know, by the time we release this will be a little bit more old news, because a month will have gone by. Because, of course, it's summer, and you know what that means for Mr. Bolelli. I am Six weeks of vacation for all Europeans. Keep yes. that in mind, my friends. How well, Henry Ford convinced us that we only need two weeks off in a year. Vacation, too, is a funny concept for me. And I guess, sorry, I'll go on a tangent first, then we Please address do. the digital mailbag. Because the reality is that I'm my own slave driver. Because, um, yes, I'm off from teaching... at college that's great which gives you lots of time to polish all that gold right that's what i do non-stop no but rich can take a look to his left right now there are how many pages are those like easily 250 a piece and there's eight of them yeah and, and that's all just a start is the subject a secret oh you posted it the other yeah day. yeah it's fine but I've seen the movie with Mila Jokovic. What more do you need? That's what you did, right? So, yeah, I'm prepared. <laughs> so the reality is, you know, when I'm on vacation, I'm going to be reading, you know, 
thousands of pages on John of Arc, which is one of the next that I need to study for History on Fire. But all I'll this work will pay off the... when Hollywood comes calling. Right. Oh, yeah. I've had the great Hollywood experiences as of late. Yeah, the same so... one all of us had, I'm afraid. Yeah, well, let's keep on that. But <laughs> So, I mean, no, it's great because I get to, yeah, I'll be in Italy. Uh, vacation is weird because it's never really vacation. Like I don't. Sometimes I would like to do that. Maybe just take some time when I play video games all day and fuck it all or whatever else. You know, go. Uh, reality is that I am working every day a lot, but of course it's work that I choose to do, yeah. and that it's on my own terms, on my own time, and it's. Uh, but it's funny how sometimes when you know when you're nine to five, the second you're out, you're out. When you are with this idea that you're also doing your own work and your own mm. boss, mm. you're kind of never out because you want to. It's like, hey, come on, I can read another book. I can get that episode out faster. I can, I could also write this other thing. I could. So there's always that temptation to keep pushing and you don't give yourself a real break sometimes. So it's both. You know, I think like long, awesome vacations are awesome. At the same time, I am a bit of, uh, when it comes to my own stuff, a bit of a workaholic where I'm always kind of, pushing, pushing, pushing to get a little more done. That's so a, That's a good problem, though. Totally good problem to have. In fact, I'm not, it, this is no way, shape, or form bitching about it, because it's good. It's good stuff right there. The um, question, yes. So the one that will be all news by the time, um, but again, all news, the specific. The, the general theme is never all news, unfortunately, because it's an enduring thing. The thing that trigger this question is the Anthony Bourdain suicide but the bigger issue beside Bourdain himself is uh, in general you know you see high numbers of people who not only because of course there are a lot of people who kill themselves because they have it really rough and the conditions of their life just drag them down and becomes impossible to then there are the cases where from the outside at least it looks like you have it made. You have, I mean, Bourdain is like awesome life, right? You make a living traveling the world, eating awesome food, meeting cool people who love you. Everybody like him. So you have success. You have money. You have people who care for you. He actually, and that's the puzzling thing about the Bourdain in specific case, that he recently changes life in a great way. You know, he was heavily addicted to pills for a while, and then uh, he gave it all up. Became, and found a hot Italian. Found a hot Italian. Became a jujitsu fanatic. Yep. Um, trained like a madman. Before you know it, he had a six-pack. He looked in awesome physical shape, which completely takes away my standard thing when it comes to depression. Because, you know, one of the key things that anybody should try, no matter what, is first thing, work out a lot. Because that alone, in many cases, is considered, like has been shown to be more effective than some antidepressants. Yeah. In Bourdain's case, we can't even say that because he was doing that, right? He was working out like a madman. He was in peak physical shape. He had, so, you know, he's checking all the boxes for everything that should be going well. Add another one to the picture. He has an 11-year-old kid who he loves like crazy. So, I mean... Everything there from the outside, of course, because we have no idea what's going on inside nope. a, a man's head. You know, there's no, but from the outside, he checks all the boxes for the stuff that would make the guy really excited to be alive, really happy to be alive. And so he's like, what's going on here? You know, what? And I think that's the problem when people don't want to snap judgments on 
which I always find kind of tasteless when people snap judgments on people killing themselves because it's like the person just killed themselves, man. It's like it's heavy enough. It's like oh, you're taking you're taking the cheater's way out, man. Yeah, when you, yeah. right. That's the, insanity. It's like the reality is what you can say is I wouldn't do it. And by the way, it's probably safer to say I wouldn't do it now because yeah, nobody probably. knows what I mean. Pressure. It's kind of like. I think it was Sam Sheridan, one on an episode with us, was saying, uh, yeah, uh, torture works for a reason. You know, if you apply enough pressure, anybody tell you what you want to hear. It's just a matter that some people are tougher and the amount of pressure you have to apply is more. That's it. You know, it's not that anybody's immune to pressure. It's that some people have that, some people's spot is really surface level. You don't need to do much digging to start getting somebody to break. Yep. Some people have a very deep one. So most events in reality are not going to break them. But the reality is everybody's got a breaking point. Well, you and know? you don't know, you know, I just watched the Gary Shandling documentary. And he was tortured by the death of his brother when he was like 12. Right. Because the family didn't acknowledge it. Yeah. Didn't allow him to say goodbye to his brother. I think he died of cystic fibrosis or something like that. And so he was sicker and sicker, but his parents didn't let him say goodbye to him the night he died. Yeah. Didn't let him go to the funeral. And then nobody spoke his name ever again. It was like he was erased. Yeah. And that fucked him up for the rest of his life. Of course. And Anthony Bourdain, I mean, admitted junkie for a good while. Yep. No, he had his demons for sure. And anything like that could stick with you. And who knows what went down in those days? Sure. Except that's the other thing. We don't know because you we are only know. looking at the information we have from the outside. It's obviously a different kind of story. No, it so, puzzled me. I mean, there's a lot of scary facts going on right now. Like, like from the 90s till now, suicide is up in every state except for one, oddly enough, which is Nevada. Really? Because Which, people are already killing themselves like crazy in uh, Vegas oh, anyway. I see. So okay. So that's all I like, can figure out. Right. The statistics are high enough. That yeah. It's, they, they weren't really skewed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, people are bummed. Yep. And and I think that's... Yeah, I, I think there are two discussions there. One where you're going, which I want to go into it in a second... To wrap that first part is like, yeah, you really don't know what's going on somebody else has said, you yeah. know, and so judging it, because I mean, think about it. The guy has an 11-year-old daughter that he adores. And to those of us with daughters, it would seem that alone. Yeah. I mean, that's the one part I don't get. Like, the, oh, everything else I get, right? You know, you can have it from the outside. It looks awesome. But when real serious depression is a weird beast and so it doesn't really matter all the cool stuff you have on the outside you have this thing inside that's ripping you apart and so i do get it how you really can't judge it from the outside the one part that gets me weirded out but again i fully acknowledge that that's just my own the idea of leaving behind a kid just to me, that's pretty much the worst thing in the universe. Yes. And I don't mean the worst thing in the universe to do, just to happen, right? Even if it happens by chance. It's like it's so horrible on a kid to but lose to do it their by parents. choice. To do it, exactly. It's like you would do anything in the universe to avoid that scenario. When you do it by choice, then clearly makes me think I really don't understand anything about life. You know, I don't understand what... Because, again, it's easy if you can blame it on somebody. Say, oh, that guy is a selfish asshole. That guy is an idiot. That guy is whatever. Sometimes I'm sure that's the case, but there are also times when it's not. When the person is honestly a good person, where they have a good heart, and how, in, how much pain do you need to be 
for you to forget they are leaving behind a kid who loves you, needs you, and is going to be horrendously traumatized by what you And, and I did some digging on that because I had the same question because that woman, her first name was Slade, the, the fashion designer. Yeah, yeah. Same deal. And her suicide letter told her daughter to ask your dad. Okay, that's just weird. Yeah. Apparently they were breaking up and so she's going to blame. I mean, yeah, to, but to that, go out that way. But that's fucking up. Still, okay, that's to a leave a daughter story. like that. That's, uh, so we'll go back to Anthony Bourdain. But in reading that made me dig and then he killed himself. I was like, what's going on here? And they're saying that you reach a point that is so dark that you think everything you do is negatively affecting your daughter, right. your family. Where you actually and think you're doing them a favor almost. That's, right? it, that's all yeah. it could possibly be. Right. And I'm sure people's thinking gets crazy like that i mean yeah. we had a family member who his mother died of terrible alzheimer mm -hmm. and the first sort of few symptoms started showing up and he went up the top of a mountain and blew his head off mm -hmm. because he didn't want to be a burden to anybody but what we all realized the burden was at least a decade away right but He's like, wait five he, years, you're, you're good. Let's give some time. Who yeah, knows, yeah. you know? Yeah. I'm sure that Rick Simpson oil is going to fix it if you just uh, put right. it in your ear or something. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, people overreact, and that's that. Well, and that's the thing. is like sometimes, yeah, you really don't know what's going on inside somebody else. So that's part one. Part two is that the fact that, yet yeah, suicide is way up that a lot of people choose to check out. And again, I don't have the knee-jerk reaction of judging it like, oh, that means you're weak, that means you're a coward, that means this and that. I really don't think, I mean, the whole concept of walking into somebody else's shoes, unless you feel what they are feeling, good luck being able to unpack a choice that clearly seemed completely irrational from the outside, but you're, you don't have all the elements. You don't, you don't really know what's going on there. So... Nope. While obviously is not a happy thing or is not something that, yeah, everybody should do it. It's great. You know, do that. Of course, that's not what we're saying at all. But at the same time, unless you have been there, unless you have been with the proverbial gun in your mouth, you really don't know uh, how far that, you know, what brings somebody to that spot. Other part of the issue is, okay, suicide in general is up, which is... I mean, we've hinted at it before. We had this discussion in other ways before. But it's the fact that we live at a time when, uh, for most people, we live lives of, uh, I mean, even being poor, like really poor, in places like United States, is not what being poor has been throughout much of history. It's not the, it sucks, don't get me wrong, but, you know, if you have a shower, it's the kind of thing that 500 years ago would have been such an ultimate luxury that only kings can afford. Yeah. If you have, uh, if you're not starving, if you, so, you know, and, and I'm not saying, oh, that means everything is great. Shut up. Don't complain. No, I'm not. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is our conditions on average are better in the world today in terms of survival, in terms of at least purely, f again, from the outside, not from the inside, but yeah. from the outside, they look better than they were. And yet here we are. You know, we live in uh, all these cases we're mentioning are U.S. cases. Not that it doesn't happen in plenty of others, but you have some of the most industrialized, wealthiest places in the world with really high rates of suicide. You don't think it could possibly have anything to do with all these antidepressants they're handing out with these crazy... I mean, anytime, I mean, it, it turns out like even things like antacids and things like that that they give you can have the same, might cause suicidal thoughts. 
And when your your, your yeah. stomach medicine and the antidepressant you're taking and three other things that you don't even think about, like something you take for a headache, all have these compounding effects. That's one of the big ones for sure, right? Is uh, I mean, of course, like something well, like a high lo- rate of suicide. Loneliness is, has to be number one. Though. Sure. No, in fact, it's like most of these things. It's m- looking for a single answer is obviously, no, yeah. there is no single answer. There are a bunch. But yeah, the fact that we over-prescribe pharmaceuticals like they are candy, and obviously this is powerful stuff, and you got to respect it. Like anything else that has a big, powerful impact on your body, it's a good thing because it has a good, powerful impact on your body. It's a bad thing because, it, you know, you need to be really careful. It's like you cannot, uh, in some ways, kind of like handing fire to kids. It's like, yeah, fire is useful. It also burned down your house. You know, it's like, let's be a little careful on how you use it. So the fact that pharmaceutical get to be prescribed like they were candy all the time, I would, I hesitate 15 times before I pop an Advil, you know, it's let alone going further down that path. Yeah. Sometimes you need it, but really ask yourself 10 times, do I really need it? Is this the one and only solution? Is there something else I can try? Because you know what it fixes, you don't know what it damages a lot of the time and you don't know what the, so clearly there's, as a culture, we are ridiculously drug addicted. Forget even the illegal stuff, just legally on pharmaceuticals. Big time. And Crazily. That, and that's not a good thing. That's really, you know, when people, half of the people are popping pills to sleep, are popping pills to uh, for antidepressants, are popping pills for pain, are up, you know, it's like, it's pretty insane. And that's just the legal stuff. Yeah, I think it's it's like 25% of Montana has an opioid problem. 25%? Yes. Jesus. But you can't help these poor people. I mean, what can you do? They make the greatest shit ever possibly constructed. Right. And then once you get started, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's why, for example, unless you just severed my arm, I don't think I want to be popping opioids, period. No. It's like, because, I I mean, literally, unless you're about to rip your head out because of how much pain you're in, stay the hell away. You know, don't. Because they're going to get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I had like some minor, minor bullshit surgery. And they gave me these, I forget what it was, if it was some really heavy stuff, like really heavy painkillers to take home. And I'm like, dude, I'm not taking this shit. It hurts, but it's not the end. I mean, it's annoying. Don't get me wrong. I'll I'll do Advil that will take, you know, 25% off. That's enough. I don't need to be, I understand it's going to go away into a 48 hours. In the meantime, I make it from, oh, this really hurts to, ah, it's mildly annoying. Good enough, you know. I don't need it to disappear and go in nirvana land through substances that then are very high potential to get me hooked. It's almost like we've entered an age where comfort is so important mm-hmm. that nobody even thinks about anything anymore. Right. I want my air conditioning. I don't want any pain. Yep. I want everything to be easy. Yep. And what does that create? Yeah, that kills drive. Yep, too much. And I don't know. It's like that Wally movie where everybody was in their comfy chairs with their giant Slurpee drinks floating around. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's uh, so that's one. That's definitely one aspect of the story. Watch what you put in your body. Definitely watch what you put in your body because it does have an impact on everything else. Probably all that squid ink pasta he was eating. Nobody knew <laughs> what was in. <laughs> 
Then you got the, yeah, loneliness. We discussed that to that already, but that's a huge one. The, um, there's really a sense of the fact that people work too much at jobs that, unlike what we were saying uh, or what we may be saying, because I don't know the order in which we recorded versus how we edit it all, but there's in a section when I mentioned about my upcoming vacation, how it's never really vacation, it's a lot of work, but that's work I choose to do. It's work that I actually kind of, I mean, not all the time, because some of the research can get painful, but I mostly enjoy, right? Nobody's putting a gun to my head. So, no, what I'm talking about is that alienating work that nobody wants to do, that you're just stuck at this shitty job that's killing your soul, but you need to pay the bills, and so you got to do what you got to do, and, and it just you see hours and hours and hours of your life disappearing into the mouth of this monster that you hate. And the next thing you know, it's decades. Yeah, exactly. And so that's... And the fact that we do it a lot, you know, in a lot of industrialized places. I mean, think of places that are very economically successful, like US or Japan. People work insane hours, and surprise, surprise, the rate of suicide is ridiculously high. Again... That doesn't explain the whole problem, but it's definitely a connection. You know, working monster hour at something that you hate will mess you up. You know, you need to unplug. You need to go for a walk. You need to lay on the beach. You need to, you're human. You're not just this damn work machine that you just get plugged in. And it doesn't, not a good thing at all. So that's another aspect, right? Um, speaking of aspects, distance from nature. You know, like, and again, not for everybody, but for most people, nature has a very healing effect. Being in contact with, so that itself is an interesting one right there. There's like, I'm sure we can add to the list and, you know, we can come up with a really long list of factors and they are all important to one degree or another and they are more important for some people than for others. But yeah, that's why it happens. Or, or unless you want to go the Eddie Bravo conspiracy theory approach and it's all because they all have some information on Hillary Clinton and he's killing uh, them all. Well, that's probably the likely one. Right, so forget everything we said. That's what it's about. No, but it's it's got to be a warning sign, man. I mean, yeah, this has to be addressed. Yeah. Or maybe they're happy with it. Eh, too many people anyway. Yeah, I mean, Bordeaux cases, like the one you mentioned, the designer, I mean, that sound, I didn't look into it, but that story sounds a little shittier because somebody who in their suicide note is like basically blaming the other party in a divorce yeah. in front of their kids. Kind of like, this is why your mama is dead is because this bastard pushed me to it. Yeah, and there was no shortage that's of people up. saying that she had been crazy for a long time. Yeah, and that's... But he, nobody saw the signs, but yeah, like you said, you never know. And as glorious as it looked like, I'm sure going to Tibet to eat food on some mountain craggy mountain with a camera crew and that's only episode three and we gotta do 13 of these and well we but that's also the weird part because i remember like he had the money oh yeah he could retire he chose to do that and so there's a part that's you know he even said at some point he's like i would uh I can delude myself with the idea that I would be perfectly happy sitting on an hammock doing nothing. Uh, I can't. For a week. So he had this thing of like, I need to go, 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 go. And so that raises question of why do you need to go, 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 go? Why can't you relax? Why can't, you know, what are you running from in that sense? Why am I leaving my daughter alone for six months out of the year? 
that's a good question right there exactly yeah i mean he would he has this kid that he loves and that he didn't really get to spend much time with her because he needed to do this thing he needed to work why do you need it so bad why do you need it so much that it's kind of eating you up and you don't spend time with the people you adore it's like that clearly i mean it, it fits with the pattern of uh, him doing a bunch of drugs in the past and everything he's obviously running from something right he's obviously running from some emotions that he doesn't want to deal with and unfortunately it looked like the emotions caught up with him eventually i'm sure but i mean he was 61 he'd had lots of time to look back and like see these mistakes that had gouged huge amounts of his time away and yeah, but, I don't know, it's tough. But but that's the thing also that frustrates me is that he did make a lot of the right moves. Yeah, he may not have made them all the right moves, obviously. Yeah, impossible. But he did a lot of them. So it's kind of like, shit, this is a guy who was fighting the good fight and actually winning some battles. Yeah. It's a lot more frustrating to see than the guy who's just completely drowning and you're like, okay, there's nothing anybody can do because, you know, there's, there's, it's too far gone. The guy's not even trying anymore. Okay, well, oh, that's it. Bordwain was trying. Yeah. It was. It's good energy that got lost, I think. Absolutely. That, I think that's what made it so surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's not so. Michael Hutchins autoerotic asphyxiationing himself. Another guy who had it all. right. Just, Really, friend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Those six groupies weren't good enough? Yeah, it gets bizarre. But I get it. Life is rough. Life is rough. There's a lot of beauty. There's a lot of pain, clearly. So take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Because really nothing else is more important. Yeah. And suicide hotlines are available 24-7. So sometimes just reaching out is enough to get you through that next day. Mm-hmm. I had the... Um, this was a mild depression moment, so of course I'm not comparing in any way, shape, or form. But it was, um, I mentioned it before, he's helped me snap out. And I had, but there was another moment that was really cool in that, in that period of six weeks. Is one to give you how weirded out I was mentally is uh, one day is like, I know that working out is going to be good for me. So I pack my bag, I get in the car, I drive 20 minutes, I get to judo class. I walk in, I see all the people on the mat, I walk out, I get back in my car, I drive back home. I could not bring myself to step on the mat. It wow. was just, I was like, yeah, Oh, I that's just going to suck too. Yeah, I, I, and I try, you know, it's like I felt it at home and I'm like, no, no, just get there, get there. It's going to be okay. Just walk through the door. I walk through the door and I walk right out. And I was like, oh shit, that's a little weird, but... Next week, I'm doing the same thing. I walk in. I don't totally walk out, but I sit on the bench. And I'm just basically killing time a few minutes until I'll find the thing to walk out again. Right? And that's what's going on. And so I realize, obviously, that's... Actually, I don't even realize it as much as I realize it now. That obviously, that's a warning sign that, yeah, you're not doing incredibly well in this moment. And it was awesome because there's this... Um, friend of mine Chris Hilsett was um, he was on the mat kind of at the edge of the mat working with somebody he's one of the instructors there and he saw me and he's like hey you know jump on in you got on the mat and I'm like yeah I don't know you know and the dude turned to me it's like he kind of took a break from the guy he was working with he stepped out and he's like what's up he's like I saw you last week you did and I'm like yeah I think I'm gonna do the same thing this week and uh, he's like 
are you depressed? And it was funny because I, up until that moment, I didn't even think I was depressed. I knew I was having a little bit of a rougher period, but I was like, no, you know. It's... And when he asked me, it was so obvious that immediately, like the words that pop out of my mouth, I'm like, yeah, I think so. I think right now that's where I'm at, right? So everybody beat you up at once. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. It was a great <laughs> character for me story. No, it's like... Um, Chris was so cool. Like he handled it perfectly, right? Because he didn't say, oh, come on, get over it, which is going to put up my defenses and them running out, right? right? He was like, hey, I tell you what, why don't we, I was working on this one technique. Let me just show you this one technique. Just jump on the mat with me. We work five minutes. Then if you want to go, you go, you know, do your thing. Just give me five minutes. You know, let's play with this one thing. I'm like, okay, five minutes, I can do five minutes, you know, we can, you know, he'd show me this thing and we start working and of course I start feeling better and then I'm in a good mood and then I work out. And I was like, oh shit, he handled it masterfully, you know, that was such a delicate yet firm touch that was exactly what I needed in that moment. Now, I didn't fully snap out from that moment, but it was very helpful. And then it probably also set in motions the my mental state to realize Start okay, unwinding into, it exactly, all, yeah. totally. So I was like, holy shit, look at how he... And when you think about it, very small gesture. You know, in the great scheme of things, the guy is not just driving six hours to come see, you know, it's like... He's got 20 other people to deal with, but he took the moment. Totally. That's a hero, Little, man. completely hero moment. Little thing just exactly the little thing that's needed that makes the difference between a good outcome and a bad outcome. And so little or big is complete bullshit secondary. You know, as you say, the hero moment is not just, you know, you jump into a burning building to drag out the kids. That's awesome. That's a great hero moment. But the hero moment is also small sometimes. Yeah. You could do a thousand of those in your life. Yep. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I don't know. We obviously need to take better care of each other. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm going with it. It's like when you think that to have an impact on somebody else's state, you need to do these heroic things that are, you know, not necessarily. You can do things that to you look small, but they are the hero moment. So it's um, that, I guess, is the inspiring part of it, that the impact you can have sometimes is more than you think. fine episode of the drunken towers podcast nobody thought anthony bourdain would come back to life the way he did <laughs> thought over i wish man i like that guy yeah i like him too um a, another fine episode visiting all sorts of uh yeah i had a fun today good conversation definitely um we don't have anybody to thank in the donation department because it's we are recording back to back so there is no we're gonna have a longer list for the next one but not right now so thank you to anybody, whoever you are, who donated, or thank you also to anybody who has used our Amazon link. That's always deeply appreciated. We don't know who you are, but we love you anyway. Um, speaking of thank you, thank you to Distilled Union for sponsoring this episode. Design company that make cool products to try to make life easier. Uh, wallets in particular, sunglasses, phone cases, other goodies like that. 
most of their invention were really the result of one of the co-founders running into problems either with a monstrous oversized wallet that tried to crush him dead whether you know buying new sunglasses and losing them a minute later because they are hanging from your shirt and they fall off and you don't realize it so a lot of their stuff is figuring out how to fix problems with objects they were already using so check them out if you are in the market for wallets sunglasses phone cases by then maybe they have added other products who knows visit them at distillunion.com that's d-i-s let me try that again d-i-s-t-i-l the word union.com enter the promo code drunken to receive 15 percent off and of course there's a link in the episode notes also links in the episode notes for the sweet folks at Omnate, Shore Design and Datsusara. Check them out. They are sweet people for sponsoring us. The least you can do is at least give a look to their products and see if you can use anything from them. Thank you also to NeverTapGear.com for sponsoring Savannah. If you work out and you need extra support on your knees, they provide it, which is a nice concept. That's it, right? We're ready to wrap. That seems like plenty. Ready to wrap. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you guys are having a great summer. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at dbolelli, that's D-B-O-L-L-E-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1, R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le providenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Eh? Oh man, isn't that scary the thing? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. Fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me you about. Translate for me, please. I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought. <coughs> sorry. Well, <coughs> we'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's a bit too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky.